This Marketplace podcast is supported by Invest Puerto Rico. Build the future in paradise. Puerto Rico, a hub for innovators brimming with world-class talent and a thriving entrepreneurial ecosystem. Learn more at investpr.org backslash marketplace today. Um, Mr. Rizdal, whenever you feel I, uh, it moves you. I'm, I'm ready, Jake. Let's go. I don't know what day it is. I don't know where I am. But, you know. It's like when the spirit moves you, as they used to say. Hello, I'm Kimberly Adams. Welcome back to Make Me Smart, where none of us is as smart as all of us. It is July 11th. I'm Kyle Rosenthal. Thanks for joining us on this Tuesday, one show, one topic. Today, it is fashion, fast fashion, ultra fast fashion. Some of the potential health questions, the challenges, uh, and sort of the, the moral-ish quandaries that come along with buying really, 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 really cheap clothes. Right. And this was in the news a bit ago. Uh, if anybody heard all that backlash against the ultra fast fashion retailer, Sheen, Sheen. Yeah, it's Sheen, right? Sheen, right? Isn't it Sheen? I think Sheen, it's Sheen. Sheen? But you know Sheen. what? We've got an expert who is going to tell us. <laughs> We're going to get it to it in a second. But for those who didn't hear that story, uh, this is a fast fashion brand, and it funded this big influencer trip to one of its factories in China. Uh, and Sheen has faced all sorts of allegations that range from labor rights abuses, use of potentially hazardous materials in some of their clothes, clothing. And that got us thinking about the fast fashion industry at large and how toxic chemicals can end up in some of the stuff we wear, luckily for us, or maybe not luckily, depending on what we learn here. Um, Alden Wicker has just written a book on this. She's a journalist and a sustainable fashion writer and author of the new book, To Die For, How Toxic Fashion Is Making Us Sick. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. We hear a lot about people making these fast fashion clothes being exposed to dangerous chemicals, which is its a whole other horrible thing. But what about us, the people wearing them? Yeah, I think most people believe that all of that toxic pollution that they hear about, it stays over in the countries that make our clothes. But in fact, those many of those chemicals, most of those chemicals can stay on our clothing and uh, they end up in our closets and then on our skin when we wear that clothing. And many of those chemicals have known links to many different illnesses, uh, including cancer. Okay, so why are we making stuff that kills us? <laughs> That's a good question. There's many different reasons those chemicals are on the clothing. Some of them are applied deliberately, like in the case of PFAS, which uh, has been in the news lately because it's incredibly yeah. toxic, carcinogenic, uh, reproductive toxic. It's in the water of many Americans, and it's also applied deliberately to outdoor clothing and other types of clothing to give it stain and water repellency, including children's clothing. Hmm. So specifically, though, what kind of what, what chemicals are we talking about? So there's PFAS, which are these forever chemicals. What are the other um, chemicals that are commonly used in in clothing production? And, and I was reading in your book, it's not necessarily just the textiles; it's also the dyes. Yeah, specifically dispersed dyes, which are used to dye polyester, and they are known skin sens sensitizers. So. If you are having skin reactions, you might go into a dermatologist, they'll give you a patch test, and many times it comes up positive for dispersed dyes, uh, like blue or black. Uh, there are other things, though, that you can't even see. 
sometimes uh, tests in the last decade, of, uh, including of Shein, children's clothing has found high amounts of lead, phthalates, which is an endocrine mm. disruptor that's used in plastic, BPA, also another endocrine disruptor that is used as a plasticizer that's been found in workout gear. And uh, then you have contaminants. So sometimes clothing comes over and it's contaminated with pesticides or fungicides. Um, that's accidental contamination, but you know that can be uh, really, really bad for our health. Sorry, you said uh, sometimes clothing comes over. So, so most of this is made overseas more cheaply, right? In in possibly not great conditions, and then and then imported over here, right? Is that the deal? Absolutely. Most of our clothing is made abroad these days, especially right. the dyeing and uh, wet processing. And I did visit uh, some dye houses in Tirupur in Tamil Nadu, India, where many of our t-shirts are dyed. And uh, it's an incredibly polluted area, but I also met a garment worker who is having extremely severe skin reactions just from sewing some of these clothing. What, say, say more about what it's like over there, what those factories are like, and, and just give us a sense. Well, there's a few different kinds of factories. So some of them uh, are have all the certifications, right? They use very safe processes, state-of-the-art equipment, and uh, they're very proud to tour you around and show you what they're doing. They produce for very large brands like H&M and uh, mm. Disney, which many people don't know is a big fashion brand as well. And then there are mm. factories that produce for brands that don't really care that much. They're cheaper. Uh, they might be just a big open air shed with some what look like very large laundry machines and an open air waste pit nearby. And then there are the worst kinds of dye houses, which I was not taken to because those like to be hidden away. Yeah. Hmm. You know, um, you wrote quite a bit in your book about airline attendance and, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, I was on a plane yesterday and I asked some of the airline attendants about, you know, hey, have you ever had any problems with your clothes? And every single one of them was like, oh my gosh, absolutely. We, lots of people get sick. Lots of people have problems where it's hot conditions. You rub on it and it's rubbing on your skin. And if you wear something else, it kind of singles you out as somebody who's, you know, not on the team. And so can you walk through why? airline attendants in particular are so vulnerable to this? Well, airline attendants are particularly vulnerable because they don't live a particularly healthy lifestyle. Their circadian rhythm is out of whack. You know, they're in this uh, sealed tube of air all the time. But the main difference between airline attendants and regular people is that they kind of, they were a closed experiment. They all got their uniforms at the same time at four different major airlines. They uh, were able to talk to each other about like, hey, you know, my hair is falling out or I have this terrible rash. And so even then it took several of them, many of them that I talked to several months to make that connection because the airline was saying, oh, no, 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 Uh, this is, you know, this is an individual sensitivity. We've had our things tested. They've come back as okay. Um, But they were able to make that connection. And in fact, there was a Harvard study that showed that reactions uh, like multiple chemical sensitivity, breathing problems, rashes, did um, just about double uh, in attendance that um, at Alaska Airlines who received these new uniforms. So it was confirmed, but if you or I had uh, toxic fashion in our closet, we might never make that connection and, and figure out, okay, where are these rashes coming from or why am I so tired today? 
Yeah. yeah, I mean, is this a new thing? How, Go ahead, Kimberly. I'm sorry. Well, well, yeah, like, how do you know? Like, so in the airline attendants, closed experiments, they all were wearing the same thing. And this wasn't just Alaska Airlines, it was several other airlines have had the same thing. But for the rest of us, how can somebody know if it's your clothes making you sick as opposed to PFAS in your water or bad air quality or something else? It, must be a pretty extreme situation to figure it out. I mean, most people wouldn't even, even think of this, right? So I, I spoke to one mother whose child had severe, severe eczema, and she did everything else first. She changed her diet. She changed her cleaning products. She changed her personal care products. She got him medication. I mean, she was a pediatric nurse. And then when he got old enough as a toddler to use his words, she realized it was the fashion. So it was the last thing she checked. Another way people might find it out is, yeah, if they go to the dermatologist and they get a patch test and it comes back as you're allergic to these five chemicals and they're typically used to dye or make or create fashion. But even then, once you know that you have these allergies, it's almost impossible to avoid them because fashion doesn't come with a complete ingredient list. Well, so you're picking right up on the next question, which is government regulation. Hello. The FDA regulates, you know, what goes in our bodies food-wise uh, and drugs. Is there nothing that says you can't put these chemicals in, in clothing that we put on our skin? In fact, at the federal level, there is almost no regulation of what you can put in clothing and sell to adult consumers. The only regulation at the federal level is of three chemicals and just for children's products. There was a test of uh, airline uniforms and it found chlordane. Chlordane is one of the very few pesticides that are so toxic that they were banned for all sale, all use, no exceptions in the 80s. But there's actually nothing illegal about selling clothing that has this toxic pesticide on it to consumers or making your employees wear that clothing. How long has this been going on that, you know, toxic chemicals have been in our clothes? Because it feels like, oh, we should go back to the good old days of, you know, just regular textiles and we'll be fine. <laughs> Clothing has been toxic for actually hundreds of years. You might have heard of the Mad Hatter. That came from mm -hmm. mercury being used to create men's hats uh, since the 1500s, 1600s. And then uh, there was the famous arsenic green dyes. And uh, those were invented in the mid-1800s, and they were extremely popular. And there's accounts of women being rolled around ballrooms in arsenic green dresses with arsenic coming oh off their dresses into the air, giving people swollen eyes, giving oh the God. women rashes on their uh, foreheads yes. from their arsenic green floral wreath. And in fact, a wreath maker, a young woman, died in London uh, from arsenic poisoning. So if wow. I want to be an informed, yeah, right. If I want to be an informed uh, clothing consumer, what do I do? Well, there are some things that people can do to reduce their exposure and their family's exposure to some of these toxic or hazardous chemicals. So uh, they should absolutely avoid ultra fast fashion brands. It does take care and money to manage the chemicals in your supply chain, and when something is too cheap to be true, uh, that's probably not happening. So avoid those. Uh, I'm talking about those brands that you've never heard of with the gibberish names that yeah, you see on yeah. Amazon or you might see on social media. Uh, natural fibers tend 
not always, but tend to be better mm. than synthetic fibers in many ways. Avoid performance products, performances, performance and promises. So if it promises to be wrinkle-free, anti-stain, anti-odor, um, mm. quick dry, all of those different things are usually achieved with uh, chemicals, a chemical finish. And they can look for labels like Okatex, Blue Sign, and Gots Organic. And the final thing I recommend is to wash anything new that you buy in a non-fragranced detergent. I just, I'm listening to what you're saying and this idea of avoid wrinkle-free, stain-proof, water-resistant. I, I can't imagine that the modern consumer is ready to give all those things up <laughs> so easily. Um, and also... Fast fashion in itself is is something that like a lot of people feel is the, you know, a way to make something that seems unaffordable feel accessible. And I wonder how you tell people to kind of like balance those things out the way that we actually live and, and want to live versus, you know, the risk, the level of risk here. I agree that it's a pretty untenable situation that we're putting this all on consumers who largely do not have a degree in chemistry to protect themselves from what we know are hazardous chemicals. And there is some good work done, um, especially at the state level. So California Prop 65, which is the reason why you see those labels everywhere that say this has substances that are known to be carcinogenic, mutagenic, reproductive toxic. That's actually done a lot of work to get chem toxic chemistry out of fashion products specifically because a lot of brands don't want to have to put that label on their clothing. So that's been actually incredibly helpful. But of course, uh, we need to do much, much more. Alden Wicker is the author of the new book, To Die For, and that's die with a Y, uh, How Toxic Fashion is Making Us Sick. Thank you very much. I shall now go and throw away all of the clothes in my closet. Thanks. Yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> Just... Alden, thanks a lot. Holy cow. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, boy. Like, I, the performance clothes kind of that that gutted me because it's like I'm trying to work out more and you want to get these fabrics that you know are wicking yeah. and don't make you sweat so much and it's like and apparently give you yeah. cancer and you know caveat <laughs> here that um you know in and Alden has all of these like fact checks and citations in her book and things like that obviously there are a lot of companies and um textile producers and manufacturers that <laughs> don't necessarily agree with all of this, but, uh, you know, there's a big long list of citations and fact checks in the book and stuff yeah. like that. So for sure. Um, Tell us your thoughts about the fast fashion industry. Our number is 508-827-6278, also known as You Be Smart, or if, if you've had an experience where you feel like your clothes are making you ill. Um, you can also email us at makemesmart at marketplace.org, and we will be right back. All right, time for the news. Kimberly Adams, you get to go first. 
Yeah. So Alden made some passing reference to this in our conversation about PFAS in the water. There was a survey out, I think a report out, I think last week from the U.S. Geological Survey. It was a study that found, yeah, it was on July the 5th, that found at least 45% of the nation's tap water is estimated to have one or more types of chemicals known as PFAS. And there are more than 12 thousand types of it, not all of which are detected with current tests, and they only tested for 32 types. And there's a map on the USGS website. It's concentrated in big cities, urban areas, especially along the uh, Northeast Corridor, where I am, yay, Um, but also in in other big cities. Um, But lest you just want to kind of crawl into a hole and die, uh, Vox has a explainer piece on what to do about this. And so if you are Hmm. worried about PFAS in your drinking water, it gives some suggestions, you know, filter your water. There's a couple of different ways to filter your water that can help. Um, But, you know, once it's in your body, you're kind of stuck. So, um, yeah, there's that. (laughs) Well, well, thank you for that uplifting news item. You're welcome. Yeah, right? Man. Uh, okay. Mine goes completely somewhere else, uh, and it's, it's, uh, it's a little dorky, but, you know, that's kind of my job. Uh, the Biden administration has been, uh, primarily through the Federal Trade Commission and its chair, Lena Khan, um, trying to uh, regulate more intensely big technology companies. Uh, lots has been made about Facebook and some others out there that uh, Chair Khan is trying to go after. Um, a judge ruled today that Microsoft can, in fact, pursue its $69 billion acquisition of, um, actually $75 billion in total, but uh, $69 billion cash, I think, of Activision Blizzard. And here's why that's important. Number one, it's kind of a setback for Shere Khan, and she came in, and the Biden administration came in saying, listen, we are going to do something about big tech. And now a federal judge is saying, no, they can't. But also, mm-hmm. if you are a gamer or if you are a user of Xbox products and then you like to do like Call of Duty and other things, which I guess makes you a gamer, um, your options now will become limited because Microsoft will control the pipes, which is to say the Xbox, but also uh, the content, which is to say the games. Um, and unless something really, really changes, um, this deal is going to go forward uh, this summer. And, and and it's kind of a big deal in the tech space. Yeah, and I think this blow for uh, the FTC is is going to yeah. reverberate because this yeah. is – it was kind of a test case for some of the other attempts to get in, in between some of these bigger mergers. So yeah. we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Right. There you uh, go. Yeah. All right. That's all I got. Uh, so we are done now. We'll go uh, to the mailbag. Hi, Kimberly. This is Godfrey from San Francisco. Jesse from Charleston, South Carolina. And I have a follow-up question. It has me thinking and feeling a lot of things. Oh, wow. I was just in my hometown of St. Louis for a few days. If you heard us on the pod mm-hmm. yesterday, you know that. Uh, and we got this Missouri-related message from Megan in Kalamazoo. And Megan wrote... This article came across my news feed, and I immediately thought of Kimberly for the Missouri entry, and the article is, Cartoonists, humorous comics of each state bring USA geography to life. The cartoonist Nathan Pyle is amazing in general, and this just made me happy. Let me click on this link. I am terrified cool. of no, what cool. I will find for Missouri. Let me look. 
Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Minnesota. Aww. <laughs> Missouri, lap cat of the USA. <laughs> and it's got a picture of the outline of the United States sort of smiling. And then Missouri is shaped like a little cat uh, with on the lap of the, yeah. the country. That is cute. That's cute. That's okay. I love Give it. A little hug. Yeah. Nice, right? Yeah. We'll put it on the show page. Yeah, obviously. that's sweet. It's, uh, it's great. Yeah. It's great. All right, before we go, we are going to leave you, as we always do, with this week's answer to the Make Me Smart question, which is, all together now, what is something you thought you knew but later found out you were wrong about? This week's answer comes to us from Major Jackson. He's the host of the poetry podcast, The Slowdown. I thought that language was something that happened to you. I thought we merely used language to express how we feel or to communicate what we want or desire, but... Since I've made language my profession or started writing poetry, um, I've come to learn how language is also a place to inhabit, where we Mm. construct narratives, um, almost like buildings that determine how we live and view the world. Frankly, I wish we all paid more attention to language so that we would be less susceptible to its abuses. Hmm. 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 The words we say matter. Yeah, I love that yeah, podcast. I I um I really listened to it, especially a lot during the earlier days of the pandemic. Like it was really soothing, but um, it's nice. It's 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 nice and short. If y'all haven't yeah. listened to it, you should check it out. Um, but it's a little dose of poetry in your life. We could all use it. Hmm. Um, okay, we want to hear your answer to the make me smart question. Our number is 508-827-6278, also known as 508-UB-SMART. Today's episode of this particular podcast was produced by Courtney Bergseeker. Ellen Rolfes writes our newsletter. Today's program was engineered by Jake Cherry. Brian Allison's going to mix it down later. Our intern is Neelafar Shabandi. Ben Tolliday and Daniel Ramirez composed our theme music. Our senior producer is Marissa Cabrera. Bridget Bodner is the director of podcasts. Francesca Levy is the executive director of digital. And Marketplace's vice president and general manager is Neil Scarborough. Sorry about the lawnmower if you guys could hear that. I'm in the shed. Yeah. Yeah, you know. At least least there's only one dog bark. So, you know, there's that. (laughs) 